now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sydney McLeod. Sydney had a near-death experience where she saw spirits, and today we're going to learn about it. Sydney, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'm very excited to be here and share my story. All right. Well, if you don't mind, let's just jump right into it and learn about your NDE. So I think it's important to give a little bit of backstory here. Um, Growing up, I was not very popular. I didn't have a ton of friends. And in school, I did have one very good friend. And unfortunately, um, the year after we graduated high school, he did end up killing himself. And that happened in 2012. Um, And then I ended up having a near-death experience in 2015. Um, The friend becomes very important later in the story, but we can talk a little bit about the near-death experience. Um, I woke up one day, and growing up, I had really, really bad asthma. But as I grew older, um, it seemed to be not near as bad. I kind of grew out of asthma, if you will. But I woke up one day having a really hard time breathing, and I was kind of doing my usual like inhalers that I would do. Um, breathing exercises to kind of help combat shortness of breath. And it just continued to keep escalating at that point. Um, Couldn't catch my breath. I ended up calling my mom because my boyfriend at the time was at work and she took me to the urgent care. Um, They did a kind of like a blood or oxygen test on me to see what my oxygen levels were when we first got urgent care and they were really low. They were like a 52. Um, So they admitted me right away. And I remember sitting in the back room and in urgent care, there's not really rooms. You just kind of have sheets between each other. And there was a guy next to me that was clearly in pain um, and he was having a heart attack. So they had called an ambulance for both of us and his ambulance came before mine. Um, But they were like, well, we can stabilize him. We can't stabilize you. So we're going to send you to the hospital first. Um, So they transported me to the hospital, still not responding to any of the typical asthma or asthma attack medications. Um, They're trying to get an uh, uh, IV or trying to get me additional air, and I just wasn't moving air very well. Um, So I did get admitted to the ICU almost immediately as being moved to the hospital. Um, And I don't honestly remember a whole lot after that. I remember them asking if I wanted to be resuscitated. And like I told them, no, if I stop breathing, let me stop breathing. But it was just because I was so frustrated and so tired of trying to catch my breath. Like probably four or five hours had passed and they weren't making any progress, not knowing that I was going to be so sick or be fighting for my life. Um, totally joking, which is a terrible thing to joke about. And that's pretty much the last thing that I remember. Um, and then that led to spending eight days on full life support. They did end up innovating me. Um, so I was on the vent and I was in a medically induced coma as well as being paralyzed. Um, to go on the vent, your body kind of tries to override it. So they did essentially kind of drug me to the point where they could give me the treatment that they needed. Um, and I did spend eight days in that state. Um, and it's interesting the things that I remember Um, During the eight days, I do feel like I don't have eight days worth of memory. Um, But one of the things that happened during my near death experience is I remember like my brain and my mind still being in my body. And then I remember my spirit being outside of my body. 
And during this time, I was like interacting with other spirits. I don't remember any conversations, but I remember kind of floating above my body and seeing a couple different people. I did see a heavy set Hispanic lady that had like a split in her forehead. And I remember just like her staring at me and me staring at her. And we were almost trying to figure out who she was or who I was. Um, but we just kind of passed each other by. And then I also remember seeing like three triplet babies and I remember watching them and trying to figure out who they were, how they related to me. So it was really like my spirit was kind of just like floating in this alternate dimension. Like I could see my body down there and it wasn't like I had passed over to the other side, but we were just kind of in this like almost holding dimension. Um, but I don't remember any conversations or anything of that sort. Um, and then there was an additional spirit too. There was a gentleman that was standing behind me and he like had his foot up on the wall and he was like leaning on the wall and occasionally he would switch and like lean with the other foot. But I never saw this person's face or interacted with them. And I remember thinking that he was like a nurse or it used to be his room. It was very protective and like watching over. So I remember thinking that it was like a nurse that had passed away and is now watching over the hospital room. Um, so I just remember being out of the body and seeing these various spirits, but no conversations or anything of the sort with them. You mentioned earlier something about spirits or these spirits being related to you. Do you think that they had some significance to you or they were just other spirits in the hospital that were outside of their bodies? You know, like you saw this woman with it looked like damage to her forehead and maybe yeah. babies waiting to be born yeah um so for the lady that i saw and the babies i've spent a ton of time thinking about them trying to figure out who they are trying to somehow place them in my life and i can't seem to connect them i like i said i think about it frequently um, but I did realize after coming off of life support, um, who the gentleman was that was standing behind me, which was very, very moving and really kind of changed my perspective on life. Um, so going back to my friend that had killed himself in 2012, he was like a tall, slender African-American guy. He dressed a very distinct way. And it was a few days after coming off of life support that I started to connect the dots thinking that it was him. And ever since he's passed away, I've always gotten signs from him and I've known that he's been around, which I'm really fortunate for because I feel like a lot of people don't get that. Um, his favorite color was purple and he did jump off of a building, unfortunately. And I used to go and take purple flowers and leave them on top of the building. Um, and I drove away one day and one of the flowers blew off of the top of the building and back into my car as I was driving away. Mm. And ever since then, I've always found purple things, like if I'm having a bad day or feel like I need guidance or need support, I always find something purple, typically a purple flower. Um, so it's kind of always been my way of validating that he's still there. But after coming off life support, I feel like you think everything is crazy and you question who you are and what's going on. Like I had a really irrational fear of going asleep, like falling asleep at night. For some reason, I thought if I fell asleep, I would die, even though my incident had nothing to do with sleep. So your thought process is quite scattered and you're trying to understand a lot of different things that had happened. Um, but I, it was two days after I came off of life support. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and being like, oh my gosh, I figured out who this person was. 
it was my friend that I had known this entire time. And he was standing there with me um, and it just blew my mind. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I'm literally crazy. I have lost my mind. Being on life support has like completely ruined me. I was crying so hysterically that the nurse came in and checked on me, making sure that I was okay, trying to figure out what's going on. And I didn't want to say anything to them because I didn't want to freak them out or like let them think that I had actually gone crazy. Um, so as more time passed, I was like, I don't really know what to do, but I'm going to ask you for a sign. Like if it was you standing behind me, please just validate that it was you. Um, like give me some sort of sign. And I'm in this little tiny hospital room. There's not much that you can do. I have a little tiny window. My mom comes and sees me and various nurses come to see me. Um, so I remember asking him, my friend that had passed away, I'm like, please just give me any sort of sign that all of the signs you've given me before are true. And that let me know that this was you standing behind me the entire time. I was like, anything purple will do. So I finally go to sleep and I'm like, all right, I guess all you can do is ask and hope for the best. And um, the next morning they actually came in and we had been doing some swallow studies because I was on a feeding tube um, and they were hoping to pull the feeding tube as soon as possible, just because it's a lot easier for you to get the nutrients that you need eating food versus being on a feeding tube. So I had passed a bunch of tests for them and they came in to take out my feeding tube. They're like, we need you to order some food and then we'll take out the feeding tube. So I did. I ordered bacon with a side of French toast. And I was so excited because it had been days since I had eaten last. And I started thinking about what I had asked for again last night about asking for the sign. And I was like, maybe they'll make me get up and walk and I'll see a purple sticker on the ground or my mom really likes the color purple. Maybe she'll wear a purple shirt, really anything. I was like so desperate for any sort of sign. I was like, anything purple, I will take it and be happy. So about an hour later, my food finally came. They had taken my feeding tube out and I go to open my food and in my French toast was actually a purple lily. So I had asked him for this sign proving to me that it was him. And he very graciously did um, in my first meal, just the very next morning, I did get a purple flower, even though I was expecting maybe a purple napkin or my mom to wear a purple shirt. Um, so it was really, really amazing that that happened. I also had a friend that had brought in this beautiful set of flowers in. They were red and white roses with a bunch of greenery in them. And in the next few days, they ended up having these purple lilies in them. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, can you call this girl and ask her like if she put purple flowers in there? And I remember asking my mom, I'm like, did you bring purple flowers and put them in my friend's vase? Um, but it was the craziest thing. So I had this beautiful set of red and white roses with tons of greenery. And over the next few days, they bloomed into huge big purple lilies as well. So um, ask and you shall receive. Um, so definitely validation of being supported by our loved ones who have passed away. Yeah, that's interesting because who puts a flower on top of French toast? Yes, it's interesting too, because I was in such critical care um, that you like weren't even really supposed to bring flowers into my room. The set that had been brought to me were on like the very far counter near the door. Um, people had to put like booties on over their shoes just because I was so ill, like any like contaminants that you brought in could be really bothersome and make me sicker. Um, so it was very odd. 
And I remember asking the nurse and she was like, occasionally they'll put flowers and food, um, but they're not supposed to for the ICU patients because you're just not supposed to have any external things come in. I had lots of dietary restrictions, um, but yes, a purple flower in my French toast. I still have it to this day, actually. Um, it's folded up on a book that's my bookshelf. Sometimes while people are in a coma, they may hallucinate or have dreams. Did you have any of that? And if so, can you tell the difference between that and your NDE? Yeah, so I actually think I can dif differentiate between all three. Um, I did have a very unique, bizarre dream that I believe was my mind and my brain continuing to just do its own thing. And then I do have the interactions with the spirit, which I believe was the soul kind of leaving the body. Like I didn't know if I was going to live or if I was going to stay. So that was kind of like, I feel like my soul and waiting. And then I do actually have some hallucina hallucinations that I believe were related because when you're paralyzed and in a coma, you're very heavily sedated and on lots of different medication. So I do actually think that I can speak to all three. Um, I've also spent a ton of time thinking about this dream and it doesn't make a ton of sense other than I feel like it was just my brain occupying time and occupying itself. But in the eight days, I just remember having one very long dream. And in this dream, we were at my mom's house and she was having a giant pool party, which we live in Colorado. It's very cold here. People don't typically have pools. So I remember being at a pool party in her house and this pool party was so big that it was like sponsored by Bud Light and there was a big Bud Light truck out front. I'm also not a beer drinker. And if I were to drink, it wouldn't be Bud Light. So none of these things kind of make sense. It's very much so dream state, like having a pool in a house that doesn't have a pool, having a Bud Light party when you don't care anything about Bud Light. Um, but I remember being in the pool and for some reason I was like inside of a giant rope ball like if you think about a child's playground where they used to have like the metal type rope and it was kind of like a dome shape that kids could play on it was almost that material and I remember being in the pool and like trying to chew through this and I was drowning and I was like frantically trying to get out um, and interestingly enough I found out after I came off of life support that the ventilator that I was on had a mechanical failure and so there was a point in time where I actually had stopped breathing um, and they had to come in and physically bag air and then they had to move me to a different room to put me onto a different ventilator. And it was just totally random, total mechanical error. But I believe that like what's happening in real life to your body then gets incorporated into your dreams. And that's a pretty common thing that happens. So in my dream, when the vent failed, I believe that was when I had started drowning. I couldn't breathe. I wasn't getting air. And since I thought I was in the pool, I just assumed that I was drowning. Um, another kind of odd thing that happened with that rope ball at one point in time, this is super odd, but I was like trying to chew myself out of the rope ball. And there was one point in time that I had chewed through the feeding tube. I had various tubes kind of going in and out of my mouth being intubated. And I was like chewing on one of them to the point where they had to replace it because I had like chewed a tiny hole in it. Um, so again, those things are happening in the physical body that oftentimes like feed into your dreams. It's kind of like if you fall asleep thinking about something, then you dream about it. Or if you hear a dog bark, then there's dogs in your dream. Um, so the dream was totally wild, unrelated, and I thought so much about it. I also remember at the school party, once I got out of the pool, 
and I wasn't drowning anymore. I remember thinking that I had slipped and fallen. And I thought that that was why I was in the hospital. I didn't remember the asthma attack or anything like that, but I thought I had slipped and fallen at the pool party and hit my head and that they had taken me to a doctor. And I remember when I woke up, I like peeked under my like medical gown to see if I had a yellow bathing suit on, which again, I don't own any yellow bathing suits, but it was such a real vivid dream that it was like, oh, where's my yellow bathing suit? I just fell and slipped and hit my head. Um, so that's the dream state. And I do recall that. And I recall the spirit interaction. So it was very much so like they were operating separately. Um, I had this dream and it was all in my brain. It was all in my mind. And then I feel like my spirit had left my body and was interacting with these other spirits. I do also have some hallucinations too. I remember as they were bringing me off sedative and off of the paralytic, I was seeing very, very strange, like almost like kaleidoscope type things, which I do believe are drug-induced hallucinations, but that's separate from the dream and separate from the spirit interactions. So you mentioned that you were in a dream state and you can understand the state you are in now, the state of being awake. Yes. So the state that you were in during your NDE, would you say that it is as real as the state that we're being awake or how is it different from the awake state and the dream state? It was very real. Um, Dreams don't even compare to the realness. I think of being in the physical body or being kind of in this other dimension. Like I said, I feel like I wasn't here, but I hadn't like fully crossed over. I was kind of in like a parallel dimension in between. Um, But being in the physical body and being in that spirit type realm are like one of the same. It was very, very real. Like, I feel like I was face to face with that woman trying to figure out who she was. And I could have, I feel like reached out and touched her if I wanted to. It was very real and very tangible. Where the dream state, I mean, it did feel real to the point where I was like checking to see if you have a yellow bathing suit on. But when you wake up from a dream, you're like, oh, that's kind of silly. Or like, how did I start thinking about that? Where with the spirit kind of realm, there's no questions or it just was almost like being in the physical body. Um, A very similar experience. It was just like I was in a different dimension, but still living, still interacting. Now that several years have passed since your NDE, how have you changed? So I do believe that I am a braided soul, which is an interesting thought for some. And some people take it in a really interesting way. Like some people think that I'm possessed or I have an attachment. Uh, But there's something called soul exchanges where sometimes a soul leave a body and a new soul comes in. Um, And sometimes those souls kind of get tangled up and they stay together. It's taken me a long time, I think, to work through a lot of different things that have happened. Um, I was pretty young. I was only 22 years old when this happened. So I didn't necessarily have a lot of life experience or understanding. And... I remember my family being so traumatized by everything that happened. I woke up and like, it was like I had never seen before. It was so bright and so clear, even though it was gloomy. Like I was in a hospital room and it was raining outside and they were tearing down the building next to the building I was in. But like life was so bright and so pure, but you look over and your family is exhausted because they just went through days of thinking that you were going to die. Um, But I've realized over time, like I've spent a ton of time thinking about the spirits that I saw or the interactions or even some of the signs that I've had 
Um, one thing that's come out is I have kind of learned to accept the fact that I'm a braided soul. I do work with several intuitives and psychics that have kind of been able to confirm, but it took me a long time to realize what had happened. And with a soul exchange or a walk-in soul, like you'll hear stories sometimes that people just wake up one day and they have an accent and they didn't have an accent before. Um, it's a really unique experience. In my case, I feel like the souls kind of got intertwined and I'm not sure why, but I do actually think that I'm a braided soul now, which as weird as it sounds, you have two souls that are kind of operating together to accomplish certain things here on earth. Um, but it took me a long time because my priorities really changed. Like before I was very money focused and very driven, especially at a young age where now I feel like I'm still motivated, but I don't have that same sort of connection to the world that I did before. I also had terrible anxiety um, and depression where now I'm much more balanced and I do overthink the occasional thing here and there, but I went from a chronic overthinker and having terrible anxiety um, to much being much more balanced and um, being able to let things go and not spend a ton of time on them. Um, so really morally had shifted a lot um, and emotionally, which has been good too. I have like a new sort of balance that I didn't have prior to this experience. Have you found out that you have any abilities that you haven't had before, like clairvoyance or clairaudience? Yeah. So I believe that I've like always had some mediumship and psychic and intuitive abilities, but I've never felt the need to really share them until now. Um, I think receiving validation from my friend was such a moving and life changing thing. But I do share that with a lot of people now. Um, it's heartbreaking for me to think that when people lose their loved ones, they just think they're gone and they don't know where they are and they feel like they'll never see or interact with them again. And through my near-death experience, I was blessed with the ability to be in the presence of somebody that I was devastated thinking I would never see again. Um, so since then, I do do some intuitive type work and mediumship, mediumship type work. It's on a pretty small scale. A lot of it's for friends and family or friends of friends that as they need something, it comes up. Um, I also do like intuitive tarot card readings. Um, I definitely specialize more in the mediumship realm, but I've found that tarot is an easier way to reach a larger audience. Um, so I definitely do a lot more spiritual practicing now. I never meditated before either now, and I do a ton of meditation um, and very, very intuitive now. Have you ever meditated and found yourself back in an NDE-like state? I have, but typically it, it would be like connecting with that spirit. I know in a lot of near-death experiences, people get to see some sort of higher power, whether that's God or Jesus, and they like had conversations and I think that likely that did happen for me, but it's kind of like Akashic Records. There are some things you don't get to see and remember. And maybe it had to do with the soul braiding, or maybe there was a life review or something of that fashion. Um, so I don't go back to that kind of state, but I definitely can meditate and go back to a state of finding my friend that had passed away. So I can go there to connect with the spirit and like see him face to face again or go there to hug him. Um, which is very much so that it feels so real. It's like moving into that other dimension where you can interact, like it's crossing over the veil to see and hear and interact with spirits again. So I can go back to that kind of place of floating that I was in my near-death experience. 
Did you have any negative after effects from your NDE? Definitely did. Um, Recovery took me a really, really long time. I was even pretty young and in pretty good health. Like I worked out frequently. Even to this day, I don't feel like my respiratory tract is the same. Like I struggle to breathe. That asthma that I thought I had gotten rid of as a child is very real. I've been hospitalized a few times actually since then for breathing. Um, I'm fortunate that it's never got to the point where I had to be back on the vent or back on life support. Um, But recovery is very, very slow. Um, There's a lot of emotional trauma that I think that goes with it. Um, There's almost like a PTSD of being on life support. Um, I had a pick line in my heart, which was went in through my arm. So there's like a weird sensation on this one spot of my arm. Um, it's hard to be physically active like I was before, just because I feel like I'm not breathing the same as I did prior to this event. Um, but the, I think the emotional piece was what took the longest. Like I've spent a lot of time thinking about the experience and trying to process, like some people will say that near death experiences just happened and they don't mean anything. And then others say they're very meaningful. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why this happened and what it means. Um, as well as coming to terms with things like being a braided soul. Somebody kind of caught me off guard with that when they told me that it happened, but I can now reflect and like, like I said, when I came off of life support, I remember seeing like it was the first time I had ever seen something before or just kind of the shifts in my drive and mentality. Um, I remember like thinking I was going to have a midlife crisis and like want to leave everything behind because I was this braided soul, but I still have the connections I think I had before, but also a new perspective, which is really nice. Can you tell us more about what braided souls are? So soul exchange is kind of the overall category of what happens. And like I said, there are cases where you have trauma or like a car accident or something kind of bad happens to you. Not always, but you just wake up sometimes and your old soul like couldn't handle what was happening before and a new soul comes in. So that is just a soul exchange where you're a walk-in soul. Um, And that is very much so that midlife crisis or waking up with an accident that you never had before. But there are also times where a soul goes to leave and for whatever reason, it kind of meshes with the the new soul and you end up with two souls being a braided soul, um, which sometimes like one of them controls personality and one of them controls physical body. Sometimes they work together. Um, It can result in people like being bipolar or very conflicted, like struggling to make decisions and that sort of thing. Um, But basically there's some sort of negotiation that happens on the other side where the souls decide to go through because they can both learn lessons together or they can support each other together. Um, Like I said, in my case, I'm a braided soul versus just a walk-in soul. Um, I don't unfortunately know. Oftentimes there's a purpose or a very clear mission for the two souls to be together. I just haven't figured that out yet in life, but I acknowledge that I am a braided soul um, through the series of events that happened. When you say another soul, are you saying that it's another piece of your higher self or another part of a spirit from a completely separate being? I think that it can be both. Um, In my research on walk-in souls or soul exchanges, there are times where it is another piece of your higher self or there are times where the souls are completely separate and come together um, in one body. 
I have not quite figured out which I think that is for me. Um, but yeah, it can be either or is my understanding of braided souls. Who am I to make an analysis of your life? <laughs> but I feel like it's another part of your higher self. Yes. Um, I do think that that could be the case just because I don't have that conflict. I don't have that internal turmoil. I didn't wake up the next day and decide that I wanted to be a different person or anything of that sort. Um, but your another part of your higher self can come to guide you through something or help you come accomplish something in life. Did you ever tell this story to friends and family and how did they react? I don't typically share a lot within my own group. Um, there are people that have passed away or like lost their children or something like that. So I will share like the validation that I received from my friend that had passed away. I share bits and pieces, but I don't typically talk about it loud and proud. Um, I did just recently record a YouTube video with kind of my full story with all the details. And it took me several days to even share the, the story with my own circle. Um, I'm fortunate that my mom is very spiritual. So as I came across these kind of things, like realizing that I was a braided soul, it's a concept she was familiar with and was able to talk me through. She also had a near-death experience and so did her mom. So we're third generation near-death experience, if that's a thing. Um, so I do have people or like my husband is very understanding. He's not particularly spiritual, but he lived through this whole thing and spent all that time in the hospital with me. Um, so I share bits and pieces, but it's not something that I've gone out and said until recently. I think it took me, I just had my six year anniversary. It took me these six years to kind of, I think, get a good grasp on what had happened and be able to speak about it comfortably. Um, and I feel like I just like got this sense that somebody needed to hear the story. And if I shared it and one person heard it and it was meaningful for them, that it was worth it. Um, but it did take me quite some time to work through everything that had happened and be willing to open up and share. Do you think that sharing this publicly helps you? I, I do. Um, I do think there's a lot of value in it. And now that I've shared, I'm not sure why it took me so long. I think the internet can be a really mean place, but I would say what I shared, the positivity was tenfold compared to any negative comments that there was, but it's almost for me, I feel like I can like put it to bed now and move forward where before I was like always carrying this and trying to process it. And I do think more things will come. Like I'll realize more things as time advances, but I feel better now because I feel like the story is out there and I can kind of separate from it and move on and move forward. I know it will always be part of who I am and how I got here, but to me, it's like a next step in moving forward with life. Would you go as far as recommending other people who have had NDEs to come out and share them? Absolutely. I think it's not talked about enough and maybe that's why I was so quiet about it for so long. Um, or you'll like be like me where when I woke up from life support, I thought I was crazy. Like I genuinely thought I had lost my mind and that I was never going to leave the hospital ever again. Um, so there is kind of some unfortunate stigma about it. So I would encourage people to get out and share, um, and even like seeing videos that you've recorded in the past and seeing the response to them. It seems like there's something important that every person needs to hear or they wouldn't have found the video or they wouldn't have stumbled upon, like found it. 
Um, so I think people hear what they need to at the right time. Um, so I would encourage anybody on the fence to definitely share their story. Do you have a history of being in religion or are you a religious person or would you just I, consider yourself spiritual? I am not at all religious and I don't know that I was even spiritual before my near-death experience. Um, my dad is Catholic and my mom is Presbyterian. So we, but neither of them really practiced. We didn't go to church going up. I can tell you the number of times I've been to church. I can count it on one hand. Um, I do believe in a higher power, but I don't necessarily believe in that under any sort of confines of God or Jesus or any sort of religion. Um, when my friend had killed himself, it was definitely a sin for his religious background and for his parents, which was very off-putting to me. Like they thought that this beautiful person was going to hell because he had killed himself. Um, so that kind of like sealed the deal, I think, on religion for me. But then when I had my near-death experience, I realized that we all go to the same place at the end. I do realize that there is something greater. There is some sort of higher power. And that really spurred the spiritual piece. Before, I think I was just young and naive and wouldn't have given it the attention. Like I never bothered to be spiritual, even though I could have been. We're on the other side I am now. Um, so spiritual, but not religious as of now. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chat yeah. with you. If you Are you okay with that? And if so, how should they find you? Absolutely. Um, so I can, I think probably the easiest if people have questions, I can kind of watch the questions that come through on your YouTube channel for this video. I am on Facebook though, as well as I have my own YouTube channel. I had mentioned earlier that um, now that I'm more spiritual, I do do tarot readings based on zodiac signs just because it can reach a broader audience. They're very intuitive though, so hoping to provide intuitive messages. So I have a YouTube channel as well if people can find me that way. Um, Facebook is my main social media platform though, YouTube and social, YouTube and Facebook. All right. What is the name of your YouTube channel? So it's just under my name. It's just Cindy McLeod right now. Um, so if you search my name, you'll be able to find me that way. And you're also on Facebook as Sydney McLeod? So my name on Facebook is Sydney Quiggle, Q-U-I-G-L-E. I did recently get married. Um, so slowly but surely starting to move things into my new last name. Well, before we finish up, do you think you can leave us with one last positive message? Yes. I hope for those of you that are looking for signs from your loved one, if you're not seeing them, to keep looking for them, or if you're getting signs, to not question the signs. I think I hear and see so often that people get signs, but they're questioning whether they got a sign or not, um, and you don't need to second guess yourself. Your loved ones are always there with you, and they'll give you any signs that you need. You just have to ask. Thank you for that message. And Sydney, thank you so much for being our guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me um, and allowing me to share my story on your platform. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Mm -hmm, Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.